Welcome back to another episode of Beautiful Adaptive Warrior. I'm your host, Angie Huser. It's time once again to unleash the warrior within you. Are you ready? Then let's get to it. Last week, we discussed a little bit of the ups and downs of being an amputee and the pains that go along with it, and how your journey can go from everything looking great and rosy to all of a sudden having some issues and what you need to do to advocate for yourself and your health. Along with that, I also added a call to action at the end of the episode to get you active in your own health and daily living and building confidence by making a vision board. And we discussed a little bit about what that was. And I really hope that you were able to create your own vision board. My hope is that the vision board you created for yourself will help you get a positive start on each day that you wake and see it. What I want to discuss today is the next step and the next hurdle that you may have to face on a day-to-day basis. And for me, that is a day-to-day basis. And that is fear. Fear can be defined in the dictionary as a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger or pain, whether the threat is real or imagined. For me, honestly, as much as I don't think about it as often, I am very introspective about my day-to-day workings. And there's always something that kind of puts a little bit of fear or gets my heart pumping a little bit faster and it just depends on what it is. Um, Today I started off with putting my running blade on and uh, it's something I haven't been wearing because of the pains that I was going through this past year and the growth and the changes in my limb. But when I put it on it is a very different prosthetic or prosthesis than my walking leg. Um, My walking leg is really heavy and it has a slower knee joint. So falling in it doesn't happen very much because it, it's actually electronic and it catches itself. So I don't fall. It, it understands when I'm my gait's off and I can actually catch myself. The running blade is either a locked knee or an open knee. And if it's locked, you kind of have to bounce on it. And you kind of, I kind of find that I'm tippy-toeing on my right, my good leg, to get my leg up and around. And you kind of swing it out. So it's not great for the hips or my walking gait. But if I unlock it, the fear arises. Because I haven't been wearing it. It isn't second nature to me to wear. If I walk with it unlocked, it is like an open hinge, like a door hinge. It just swings. So if I don't kick through with my hip quick enough or strong enough, I may not get my toe all the way up so I can put my weight down. And if I don't, I end up putting my weight down on a knee that's already in a bend mode and it just gives and I, I, I fall. You can imagine what it's like to put that on after about a year of not really wearing it and trying to walk around with it unlocked. Um, it's a little frightening, but I also know, I always say I need to make my limb my friend. We are not friends right now, me and my running blade, because I don't know it that well and I have got to get used to it. Now I bring up the idea of fear because I believe that that isn't just an amputee thing. We all, all experience fear on some level. Maybe you don't feel it every day, but you do 
know when things don't feel right or you th- perceive pain might happen or there's fear because of something that could put you in danger. And I believe that this episode especially is rings true to everybody, not just amputees. I'm hoping that you'll share this episode with people that you know that might be struggling with something in their life. I'm going to give you um, a real life example. My family and I just went away on spring break last week. We were up in Colorado. For those of you that don't know me, my husband uh, from high school um, taught me how to ski. I had never skied before until I was 16 years old and he taught me how to ski. As the years went on and I got better and better, you know, of course there's always fears if you went down black diamonds or double blacks or tree skiing, but when I end up hurting my knee about eight years ago, the one thing that I remember coming to my mind as I pushed through surgery after surgery and realizing things weren't getting better was that when my husband and I were in college, back then just dating, we talked about someday retiring and being able to go off and ski whenever or wherever we wanted to. And as my surgeries kept piling up and my knee was getting worse and worse, that was one of the first things I thought of. I thought, we're, ne- we're never going to ski again. I-, I hadn't skied in years while these surgeries were happen- happening because it seemed like every time a ski season came up, uh, we like to do spring skiing, but when when the ski season came up, I was either in repair or just fresh out of surgery or was trying to heal from one and it wasn't going well and I had a lot of pain. And you're not going to put on a, a ski boot and a ski on a leg that is damaged and the quad is weak and the knee is fragile. So for years, I will be honest with you, I sat at the bottom of ski lifts watched my kids go up with my husband and would cry because I knew that this was never going to happen again. And I was watching them grow up and ski with their dad, but I wasn't getting to ski and watch them on the mountain and be at the top of the mountain with my family. Part of the thing that pushed me over the edge for my amputation two years ago was that the final straw was that I had a blood clot and I flew home with it. And when my husband thought that we wouldn't be able to fly anymore because of the dangers... I was like, that's it. I'm done. This was the breaking point for me. I had had too many surgeries. I was taking opioids for pain that didn't even matter. Um, I was trying to homeschool my boys. And now, besides not being able to hike or ski or bike or even walk without pain, now I couldn't even travel. That's not living. You can imagine all those fears that were going through my head when I realized all these things were being taken away from me one by one. And I thought, what does the rest of my life look like? That was the point that I decided that I was going to amputate. And really, quite frankly, the main reason was so that I could get back to doing what I wanted to do, not what I could do. And one of the things I wanted to do was grow old on the ski slopes with my husband. I had no idea what that was going to look like. But I will tell you this, with my amputation in December of 2018, we already had a family ski trip planned in April, April 4th, the beginning of April of that next year on 2019. And I told myself, no matter what, you will ski in April. That's like four months after my surgery. And you know what? I did it. That's one of those things where you set your mind on a goal and you, that was my vision board. On my vision board that I talked about last week is me skiing. 
um, in the past. I put pictures of me skiing and where I wanted to be. And that was my first big goal. And I will tell you, as much as I had skied for most of my life, I was so scared because I realized that there was no way I was going to ski with my prosthetic on because I actually, I had just gotten it like two weeks before that trip and I didn't even know how to walk in it, let alone ski in it. So I went out deciding that uh, I got to figure out what I can do and it came down to either mono skiing, which is being in a kind of a, a bucket with one ski under you and you're kind of sitting or you three track ski, which is one ski on no leg, no prosthetic on and two outriggers on the side. That's the way I chose because to me, that was what I remembered was standing up and skiing. That was me. So that's what I chose to do. And I had some great ski instructors that took me out in Park City and we we got to it and we skied. And I'll tell you what, lots of fears. You know, my fear of, of falling, I don't want to fall because I know with falling, it hurts. And falling means I might hurt my other knee and I can't afford that. My quad was burning, my arms, my shoulders were bracing so much for everything that I didn't want to fall that I was so tired and so exhausted and in so much muscle pain the next day from skiing that first time after eight years of not skiing. Um, it was rewarding and exciting, but it was exhausting, I have to say. And when you live in Arizona, we can ski. Um, there's ski places even here in Arizona, but really, quite frankly, we only get out once to twice a year. And when we go out, we only ski up two, three, maybe four days in that week. Well, as an amputee, two days in a week is more than enough when you don't ski all year and then you go out and you try to ski even three, four hours on one leg. It's exhausting. This past week, we were in Durango, Colorado, and we were skiing in Purgatory. What was really interesting was my first time out. This was actually my very first time out without instructors. I, I went out like a normal person would with their family and just got our lift tickets and my husband had bought me my own outriggers and we were out and we were up on the ski lift and we were we were going. For some reason that first day, I had a lot of fear inside of me. I think just because it had been a year since I'd skied last. I didn't have the instructors who knew how to handle me and the way I would be skiing. I also am quite a perfectionist, unfortunately, which if you know a perfectionist or you are one, you know that if you don't feel like you're going to do your best, there's a lot of fear in that because you want to look your best and do your best in anything you do. And that in and of itself is crippling. So I, I'm in a work in progress on that. I am really trying to let go of that when it comes to me. When we were out skiing, I was really tight. And if you try to do things, and this is one thing I have learned over the last two years, if I try to do anything where I'm fearful as an amputee, if I'm fearful, I know I can't do my best. So that's a tough thing to swallow because I want to do well because I'm a perfectionist, but I also have fear and fear stops me from doing things at my best. It's quite a conundrum actually. When you are fearful, your muscles tighten up, your head starts to pull you in a different direction that's not positive, it's negative. And when you are tight and you're trying to ski and be fluid, you're not going to be doing your best out there. And that's when injuries happen. 
And of course, then you start thinking that thing. And then you realize, well, gosh, I can't get injured. I can't hurt my knee. I, I have the one I, I need it. <laughs> Needless to say, my first day of skiing last week wasn't my best day. And the fear that I had fed myself and allowed to grow within me made me really stiff and very um, rigid. And I felt like each time I just made it down the mountain. Interestingly enough, when I did finally finish that day, and I was totally exhausted, that's kind of when I know I'm done, because I don't want to wipe out because I'm so tired and my muscles are spent. When my quad starts to shake too much, then I know I'm done. I sat down and just hung out at the base and let my kids and my husband go up and do some more runs. And while I was sitting there, I had um, um, a lady come over with one of the ski patrol and she sat right next to me and it didn't look good. Um, she was hobbling over to the seat. And finally, after ski patrol wrote down some of her information, she was sitting there for a second and finally looked at me and said, oh, do you ski often? And we started talking. Well, come to find out it was her very first time skiing ever. And she's probably about my age. So she started late. She um, had come down a hill that she wasn't ready for. And she said, fear got in her way of knowing how to fall correctly. And as much as that seems weird, it's true. If you know how to fall correctly, then you can preserve your joints. She didn't. And she tweaked her knee. And now she's probably out for the week. And her family was on vacation and her husband and her kids were up on the mountain still coming down. And it was an interesting conversation and, and really actually the conversation that kind of started me thinking about doing fear for this episode, because everything she said totally resonated with me, especially after the day I had. You know, I want to have fun when I ski. That's the purpose of skiing, right? It's not a job or a task. It's supposed to be recreation, fun, playtime. I was anything but having fun that day. I was so fearful and that fear just resided in my heart and my mind and it just took over and it just it just made me feel like I wasn't accomplishing anything except exhausting myself. And when she talked about the fear that she had in her and how fear took over her thinking and then made her rigid and stiff, she and I started just talking about what fear really can do to you. And and that's when I started realizing that we all deal with it. She wasn't any different. I mean, she had two legs, um, but she wasn't any different than me. She was up on a mountain doing something she hadn't done before. I had, but still, I'm very new still to skiing with one leg. And it takes a lot of skill, a lot of balance and control, but also enough time to relax in that, to be fluid enough to ski without fear and without rigidity. So after listening to her and her telling me how she really wanted to be out there skiing with her family and everyone was new, her husband had just started this year and her kids, first time on skis for them and they were younger, but now she's... I'm sure very worried about trying it again because it really is not fun falling and hurting yourself on a ski mountain, let alone anywhere. I mean, you all know you've all had some sort of fear or you've all fallen or done something to yourself that caused you pain. 
And then as adults, we don't forget about that pain. And that's where fear comes from, is knowing what comes from those falls or those moments, whether it's real or imaginary, just like that definition of fear stated. After talking to her, I realized that I was skiing that whole day in fear. And it's not that skiing scares me, but you know, some of my friends will see that I've skied and yeah, when I'm done, I'm like, woohoo, did it. You know, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself, but I just couldn't own it on Monday of last week. I wasn't proud of the way I skied or how I tried. And I know I need to give myself a little slack on that. I'm really hard on myself and I do push through a lot. Most of the time I feel like I want to make sure I'm skiing and getting better for my family's sake, for my my husband's sake, but also to validate my amputation as well. Um, that's a big thing to deal with is, well, I chose to do this two years ago, so I better be able to do the things I said I was going to do. When that comes into play, I, then I really don't cut myself any slack. What ended up happening is a huge snowstorm came in on Tuesday, so we didn't get a ski that day like we had planned. And then it got to a point where um, if you know how fear works within you, it doesn't just end when you're done with what you're what you're afraid of. Um, in this case, just because I finished on Monday, the moment we talked about when we were going to ski next, I my heart started to pump. And it was pounding in my chest. And I realized that anxiety and fear was kicking back up in me, thinking about the next time. And my husband was letting me decide when we were going to go next. And I was like, well, you know, <laughs> knowing I should get back out there, but afraid that it would be the same, same kind of day as Monday. And I didn't want it to be that way. Well, I will tell you something. The only way to push through fear in my mind is to just do it. You've just got to deal with it. It's uncomfortable. Oh my gosh, it's so uncomfortable. If you've ever put yourself into a position where you know you're not going to be comfortable and that fear can reside, you know how awkward it feels. You can imagine your palms sweating, your heart racing. <laughs> I joked because several times during Monday, but also at the end of Monday skiing, I checked my heart rate and where my height was. I was at 156 at one point in time during the skiing time, uh, skiing uh, runs. And uh, I'm like, oh, that's not too bad. I'm like, wait, that's, yeah, that's pretty high. Uh-huh. That's pretty high. Well, the moment that we decided we were going to go skiing again, we didn't ski until Friday, last Friday. So I had days to rest my leg because um, it was just exhausted. And I will tell you, you may not realize this if you're not an amputee or you don't ski, but skiing in and of itself is a very um, equipment laden sport where you're carrying skis and you're carrying boots and you've got your poles and, and winter coat and pants and everything. It, there's a lot. Now you take away my leg you give me crutches and then I have to go from parking lot up to the slopes and get my boot on, get my outriggers, get up onto uh, ice packs of snow um, with the outriggers with one leg. I was already tired by the time I got up the elevator and over to the slope. 
and I hadn't even started skiing yet. I was already exhausted. My heart is racing. I can feel my palms getting sweaty. And I was just hoping and praying that this day would be better than Monday, that I would be able to relax and find my flow. My husband and I decided to try a different ski lift that took us up really high and far. And we were going to try some back runs because for me, not having an instructor, um, when you have instructors go out with you, they tend to be bodyguards as well. They kind of stay behind you and to the side. And where I've been, it was like a two on one. So I had two instructors kind of flanking me, making sure that people don't crash into me because that does happen. Uh, Either someone who is not really good at skiing and they're out of control or someone who's really good at skiing and tends to um, get a little overconfident and sweep right by you. When you don't have them, you're kind of, you know, on your own with that. I wanted to be someplace that wasn't just jam-packed and everybody who was anybody was on spring break in Durango, Colorado. And so we decided to go really far up and then take some new routes and see how that would feel. And ironically, we got off. I got off no problem. Um, So you have to understand too that most of my fear actually comes with the ski lift pushing myself with my outriggers up to a ski chair and making sure I don't trip on my own self and make sure that my my butt gets on the seat is fear number one. And then fear number two comes um, moments before we have to unload. And I'm praying I don't get knocked over by the chair, that I can stabilize my ski on the ground. And when it's your first time going up on a chairlift, you don't know what the end looks like. Um, On Monday, the end was an extremely steep downhill and icy kind of run um, just to get off the chair and out of the way from someone coming up behind you. Fridays wasn't as bad and I did did find getting off. And so that was good. But those those two things don't help. Getting on and getting off um, tend to start my um, my anxiety. So we get to that point, I get off, everything's good, I'm feeling great. I'm like, okay, got off real easy, it felt good, I felt confident. So once that starts setting in my head, I realize my confidence is back, I got this. I get out of the way and I start to ski towards the right to go to the backside of the mountain. And I am not kidding you when I finally tell you that I waited for a little bit because when everybody's getting off, everybody's trying to figure out where they're going. They're with family. They're trying to get everybody going off the same right the way. So you wait till everybody clears out. That's what I do. And then I, I take off. So that way I'm clear. I don't worry about cutting anybody off because I'm still learning. I start going down and I realize this feels great. I'm actually feeling really confident and it's continuing to build. I realize that I'm doing everything my instructors taught me last year with the breathing and with my turns and everything's feeling really good. So I get going and I find this nice big wide area that was, I think it was either a a double green or it was a blue. And I'm I'm feeling great because there's enough speed going that I can work with. But it's wide and there wasn't a lot of people on it. (laughs) And then, yep, you probably guessed it. I am going back and forth a nice even flow, just enjoying the scene and everything. And I hear loud shushing coming from behind me. And as soon as I heard it, I knew this person was coming fast and they were coming way too close. And 
they took me out from behind. I mean, flat out. I landed on my my residual limb. So there was an instant sharp pain. And I'm laying there. And ironically, as I went around this one corner, I saw a ski patrol standing up at the top of the mountain. And he was just watching everybody coming down from that lift and just making sure everything was going well. And usually you don't just see them sitting there. So that was unique that I saw that. And I noticed him. Not more than like 20 yards away, this person takes me out. And within seconds, ski patrols down there. This kid is, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't see you. And ski patrol came down, asked if I was all right. And, you know, I was stunned. But again, the perfectionist in me was like, I don't want to be injured. I don't want to be down. I'm fine. I'll get back up. And I got back up and I didn't notice anything with the pain and everything seemed to be working. My arms were good. My other leg was good. Everything seemed to be fine. Um, ski patrol um, reprimanded the guy, cut his tag, which said if he did it again, he was gone for the day. Anyway, so that kind of just kind of started my day off. You would have thought in the wrong way, but I thought, okay, well, the worst case scenario is over. And the rest of the day was amazing. And I got past fears because I mean, that is another fear of mine is what happens if someone takes me out because I can't control what other people are doing on the mountain. The rest of the day went well. And when I say the rest of the day, I only did two really long runs that took me probably two and a half, three hours. I mean, they were long runs. And I knew that I was done when my, my stopping to take a breather happens quicker and quicker. So that's when I told my husband, you know what? I am content. I skied my heart out today. I feel good. I'm going to sit down here and just take a load off. And um, he decided to go up and do a couple more runs. And I just enjoyed the moment because for me, that was a victory. Monday, if I had left Colorado after Monday skiing only, I would have been stuck with that fear in my head and that last memory right? Like that's what we do as, as adults, we kind of hold on to that last memory and that can dictate our confidence in the future and in that activity or whatever we're doing. So I am so grateful that I pushed past that fear. And I'll tell you, it was not easy. It's so easy to sit here afterwards and say, yeah, I ski. Yeah, I ski. But I will tell you that no matter what, when I go out to ski, my heart races, my palms get sweaty, I feel a little rigid, and I have to do a lot of positive self-talking within my head. Like I'm really quiet. Normally I talk a lot. That's the reason a podcast, right? (laughs) Um, But when I'm on that ski lift going up, I am really, really quiet because I'm really being introspective and I'm, I'm trying to talk to myself. And the words that we say to ourselves when we're alone, or we're in our own mind, can make or break our successes in life. I mean, how do you talk to yourself? Are you putting yourself down? Do you tell yourself that you're not good enough, or you don't look nice enough, or you're not pretty enough, or handsome enough, or you weigh too much, or you, you don't like the way your face looks, or your hair? I mean, what what are you saying to yourself? Because fear of not being accepted is a huge, huge roadblock for a lot of us, no matter what your circumstances are. I know for a fact there are amputees out there that don't leave their home 
because they're afraid of the looks they will get. I mean, that's a huge fear. And that is something that, I mean, how, how do you grow from that? Uh, how do you live a healthy life if you have that kind of disabling fear? And I will tell you something that I have learned along the way. I will never be better at something if I allow fear to stop me from doing it. If I allow being a perfectionist to inhibit me because I'm not good yet at something. When I got my first prosthesis, I could barely walk out the door. Now, I was told that I did a really good job. I was only on a cane for an above knee amputee. I hear that's great, but I know who I am and I hated that I couldn't walk right away. I mean, I know that sounds so silly now, but it was a challenge and I had to deal with it. And I knew that as I was learning to walk, that people were watching. And that right there is a big fear for me, but also for others. If people are watching, then I want to be the best at it. And how can you be the best at something if you've never done it? I have grown immensely the last two years on letting go of things and me being perfect and allowing myself to just trip and fall and get back up and do it again. I think last week we talked about, you know, fall down seven times, get up eight is a Chinese proverb. No matter how many times I fall, figuratively or literally, I will get back up and I will press forward. Fear or no fear, because you're not going to get away from fear. Fear is just a, a human response. It's natural. It's what you do with it that will make you successful or make you fail at everything you're trying to do. You have to ask yourself, where do you want to go? What do you want to accomplish in life? And this is why this kind of ties in with last week's vision board. If I don't envision myself successful, then I will not be successful. My vision board shows me or showed me even before my amputation where I wanted to be once the amputation was done. If you're struggling with something, with a job, a relationship, physical health, make your vision board and step up to the plate. What do you want to accomplish? It is totally within your grasp. You have the capabilities to accomplish whatever you want in life. All you have to do is set the goal. And then when fear arises, you have to be able to do enough positive self-talk to push you through. And a lot of times it comes to, why am I doing this? What will I get out of it? And is it worth it? And for me, the answer is yes. My goal is to feel confident enough skiing with one leg that I don't have such inhibiting fears every time we go skiing, which will take time because when you only ski a couple times a year at the most, you know, it's tough because every time you get out, it feels brand new again. But I will stick to that path and I will continue to try because that is something that my husband and I had chosen to do. It's a big goal, but it's my goal and I'm on, well on my way. One thing I've also learned is when we um, deal with fear and we push through fear to accomplish something, we grow. One of the things that I, I like to say is that I need to start becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. It is so true because every morning I put on my leg, there might be something I do 
that I feel uncomfortable doing. There's times I still trip in my prosthesis. <laughs> and there is nothing more humbling than tripping in a grocery store or in a parking lot and catching yourself. Uh, sometimes I get so comfortable in my leg that I, I don't think about it and I kind of drag my toe and then wham, I end up falling or I catch myself, but not until I've already done a whole gasping and like you think I was, you know, falling from the sky. But if we are not uncomfortable, we can't grow. You never grow in a comfort zone, right? So when we push ourselves out of our comfort zone, we do have to deal with fear. Once we deal with fear, we grow. Sounds pretty simple, doesn't it? Unfortunately, fear does stop us from doing some things. But I, like I said, again, like if you have a goal set in front of you, a reasonable goal, you can do it. You can do anything you put your mind to. Today, for this call to action, I really want you to think about a goal you have. Maybe you did the vision board last week, and I hope you did. And if you didn't, make a vision board. Um, if you're not sure what a vision board really looks like, take a look at my website. I took pictures of my vision board so you have an idea of what I have on mine and create your own. Vision boards are dreams, right? They're putting out there what you want to accomplish and where you see yourself. Sometimes for me, because it was a before amputation, after amputation, I wanted to put pictures of me doing the things I did before my amputation to show that I could still do them. Maybe it is something new to you. Maybe you want to learn to ski or maybe you want to learn to um, scuba dive. Find pictures in magazines or on, on the internet and print them out and put them on your vision board. It doesn't have to be you. Seeing that um, might actually help you acknowledge where your goals are and, and where you need to go. Once you have a vision board in place with all your dreams and your hopes for your future, and it could be short-term or long-term, and you can change that up as you go. Right now, mine are still the same pictures and things since right before my amputation because I don't feel like I'm as efficient or proficient at skiing as I want to be. That is still my goal. I want to be able to say that I can do black diamonds. Right now, I'm not there. I'm doing blue, so I'm getting there. The first year was greens. This year was blue. Um, next year, I'm hoping maybe black, but I will keep those same pictures there because I'm still trying to achieve them at the level I want to achieve them, if that makes sense. So once your dreams are in place on your vision board, I want you to acknowledge what things are holding you back. What fear do you have? For the call to action this week, I want you to write down what your biggest fear is when it comes to accomplishing the goal you want to accomplish. And then I want you to start giving yourself pep talks. That's all you have to do is when it comes time for it, what are you going to tell yourself? Are you going to talk yourself up? You can do this. You can do this. I know you can. You got this. Baby steps. I mean, I tell people that all the time when they're like, I can't believe you ski. You know what? Baby steps. It's not like I never skied before. So I had that going for me. But I also will take the small accomplishments, things that you all couldn't see in me or even my husband couldn't see in me, I took as a huge accomplishment. The difference between Monday and the way I felt inside to the day on Friday when I skied and how I felt inside was 100% different. Monday, I skied in fear and worry 
that I wasn't feeling the, the momentum and I wasn't feeling fluid. And Friday, the feeling inside, even though I only did a couple large runs, I felt like a skier, like it was relaxed and I was fluid on the mountain and I had great back and forth form and I was using everything I had learned. And when I finished up on Friday, it wasn't about how long I went or what run I went on. It was the feeling. And that is my baby step. If I could get myself into a positive mindset and I could translate that on the mountain, then I won. And that was my baby step that day. I left Colorado and skiing for the season on a high note. That's where you need to be. It doesn't have to be something visual that everybody can see that you've accomplished. Sometimes it's something that only you can tell. And that's where you want to go with that. Something I want to share with you, which I think is kind of funny and sad, but it's very transparent. And one of the things I I try to project on my podcast is transparency. After skiing on Friday... My husband and I sat down. I couldn't wait to get my ski off. I was feeling great. I made it through a day. It was kind of like one of those woot woot moments. And and I felt good about everything I had done. And I sat down and he got me a beer. It was awesome. It was sunny out. It was like 61 degrees at the base of the mountain. And I had done my thing. And I'll tell you what, the emotions that flooded my body I don't think I've ever experienced in my life. And I say this with complete honesty. I started to cry because I was so tired and I was able to just relax completely now, having the victory on my side, right? And then I started hysterically laughing (laughs) at the same time. I don't think I've ever done that. I was laughing as tears dripped down my face. My husband was like, whoa, what is going on? It was surreal to say the least, surreal to be able to just sit there and all those emotions that I had just kind of contained to overcome fear just came flooding out of me. It was crazy wild. Like I I couldn't tell even myself. I'm like, am I laughing right now or am I crying? Because it felt like I was crying. And then I would start to like laugh. It was weird. But, you know, even though I know that I had a great day, I still know that I was holding everything together to make it a great ski day for me. And I know that I still had fear in there, but I was holding it back and trying to, to be as fluid as I could be on the mountain. But that doesn't mean that fear goes away. There's still fear there. It's just how you handle it in the midst of all of that. And so after I was done and I knew I was done for the day and my quad was literally shaking, when I finally sat down and I was able to just take a load off and and you know let my leg rest and relax, the emotions that came flooding out of me were amazing. Talk about feeling great. <laughs> But I'll tell you, I've never experienced that ever before. It was a great day. But for sure, fear is real. Whether it's imagined in our head or it's a real uh, threat to us, it is real for each one of us individually. And you need to address it because it's not going away anytime soon. I want to tell you that what I have coming up in the next five episodes on Beautiful Adaptive Warrior you don't want to miss. Next week, I have a very special guest, a friend of mine, 
out of Kauai who is a shark attack victim, but he is an advocate for sharks now and an amazing photographer. And I want you to hear how he's overcome fear and overcome the obstacles of becoming an amputee after something uh, definitely different than my situation. Um, with me being an elective amputee, you know, I, I had time to prep. In his case, being a shark attack victim, um, he didn't get time to prep. He didn't expect this. And uh, born and raised on the island, I'm just amazed on the fact that he surfs and gets out there and is actually in the ocean with sharks and photographing them. Um, you don't want to miss that episode. Uh, I can't wait to introduce you guys to Mike Coots. Also, April is Limb Loss Awareness Month, and Mike is going to be my kickoff on March 31st, the day before April, because I have a lineup of doctors and PTs and prosthetists that I will be interviewing throughout the month. So you want to make sure that you subscribe. I don't want you to miss an episode. And if you know someone who is a possible amputee candidate or has gone through stuff, needs help with rehab, or to finding a better prosthetist, please point them in the direction of my podcast because I want them to hear from some great people that I have surrounded myself with. When I need help, I reach out to them and they've always been there for me. So please make sure you stay tuned to future um, podcast episodes starting next week with Mike Coots. And um, I look forward to um, fielding any questions you might have. You can go to my website, www.bawarrior.com. 360.com. And you can ask me questions there. If there's anything you want me to ask the surgeon that did my amputation or my prosthetist, or even the um, gentleman who was my PT um, after amputation, and even um, to the surgeon who did my um, nerve surgery in December, all these guys are going to be on in the next five weeks. So make sure you tune in. Um, You don't want to miss it. And uh, like I said, reach out to me. If you have any questions you want me to bring up with them, I would be more than happy to try to field some of those. I look forward to the next month and a half with you. And until next time, be healthy, be happy, be you.